Welcome to A Novel Life, a podcast about living life in a novel way. I am Lauren Ruth Martin, a licensed therapist in Tennessee. Remember, what we talk about in here has a lot to do with therapy, but it is not therapy. So if you're wanting to do the work, make sure you get hooked up with a therapist. That's awesome. Um, Let's go ahead and start the show. Glad you're here. Welcome back. Good to see y'all again. I know I'm talking a little quiet right now because I'm hoping that my child will go to sleep. Um, That is the reality of podcasting at home. Um, So hopefully he doesn't wake up. I don't think he is. Okay, we might be safe. Um, How are y'all? I hope you're having a great week. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's, um, I'm kind of having a hard time being uber mindful in this moment. I've had a pretty kind of crazy day. Um, and when I say crazy, it's things that I'm having to do a lot of active grieving in this moment. Um, and I know, I know a good portion of the people that listen to this podcast are in the same sort of age bracket as I am. And so I kind of wanted to share this just in case you don't feel prepared for it, or it's something that your friends don't talk about, or you haven't talked about with your family, but just sort of like the grieving of your body and health that happens in your 30s. Um, And this isn't being said to be all doom and gloom. Hopefully, it's more like a a solidarity thing. Um, I had to go to the doctor today. I'm fine. I just had to get some things checked out. And it's just sort of been a recurring theme this year of going and making appointments that I've been avoiding and actually tackling a lot of things regarding my health. But going to the doctor is just an exhausting process. And when your body is sort of like hijacked by things like age, um, having a kid really changed a lot of things in my body, um, not only appearance wise, but just, and it's operating the mechanics of my body. And I think that that grief is something that not a lot of people prepare you for. And so I guess I'm rambling about this just to tell you that it's normal, like our bodies are meant to change, our bodies, um, our lives are meant to change. And in that periods of grief are allowed. And periods of grief are welcomed, because in order to begin living and coexisting with our new bodies and our new phases of life, we have to grieve what was. And that's something that I'm at least going to take I'm taking this as sort of like a wake up call for me that like my health has to be more of a priority where it doesn't seem fun or sexy. Like it's just something that has to be done and that it can be done in a fun way and that it's for the longevity of my body. But I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of doing it kicking and screaming. Um, And some things that I had to actively do today, like after my doctor's appointment today, I really had to do a lot of self-soothing. I had to do a lot of mantras like your body has dignity, you have dignity, your body is, you know, your body is trying to take care of you. It's got to be a relationship. Like I had to do a lot of self-soothing and self-affirming and really just sort of activating social safety to really kind of, in a way I basically had like an alliance rupture with my body because I felt like it was totally invalidating me. And I'm still kind of in that headspace 
um, because I think there is some stuff to be grieved. But I think like if that's a phase of life that you're in, I think grieving and bridging that with self-soothing and encouragement and being really kind to yourself in those moments are going to be really helpful. I can at least tell you that's what was helpful for me. I had to be compassionate when I was struggling to be present in order to guide myself back to the present moment. Um, and in a period of time, like where if your body's constantly shifting, you can be in a lot of threat. I actually sort of practice what I preached and it really did help me get through the moment. Um, and so if that's where you're at, I just hope that this kind of helps you feel normal. <laughs> And it helps you feel a little bit less crazy. And there's that. We have a great show. We're going to talk about breaking up with your therapist. Um, I'm also going to answer a question about um, psych hospitalization. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this quick break. We're back. Um, remember that if you ever have a question for the podcast, um, just send it to me on Instagram at Novel Counseling. Um, this week's question is from the IG, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it, but what the question is basically about is what happens when you need to go to the hospital. So, and um, if you ever need to go inpatient, so the psych hospital for help, but it's traumatizing and terrible. First of all, I am so sorry that you had that experience. Um, as somebody that works with things like self-harm, uh, chronic suicidal ideation, um, episodes of suicidal ideation, um, you know, they're very different. There's a lot of different takes on hospitalization. Um, and so my background is in standard DBT. Um, I now focus on radically open DBT. Um, but when it comes to going inpatient, um, the primary reasons why I would personally, like just from my clinical perspective, would recommend hospitalization is if you can't maintain safety, like you you know that you're in a headspace like where just maintaining your own safety isn't going to be good um, or not doable or you're not in touch with reality enough to where you're for sure not going to keep yourself safe. Um, if your meds need some quick adjusting um, and some oversight, um, those are my two main reasons. And they all involve safety of self, others, and um, medication adjustment. Um, there are studies that I'm definitely paraphrasing right now that when it comes to hospitalizations, the um, depending on what's causing the hospitalization, it can increase the likelihood of being hospitalized again. Now I'm not devaluing the benefits of going to the hospital. I think what's hard though, is sometimes the expectations that we put into it. And sometimes it is the environment. I mean, it's like, they're not designed to be this way, but sometimes the hospitals are just packed, you know, depending on the time of year, depending on the season, um, just depending on the day, you don't know if it's going to be a light night or you, you can't control the population that's there. Um, and sometimes that previous experience can also be what leads to not wanting to go again, um, which in turn can sometimes be again, a barrier to safety. Um, and the thing is, you have to lead life at the same time. And so when it comes to that experience, I think 
What's difficult is that everybody's experience with hospitals, especially if it has is an inpatient hospitalization, um, it's going to vary on the staff. It's going to vary on the area. Um, if there is access to that, um, it's going to vary on like your experience is going to vary every time. And I wish that I had a better answer for that. But I think it's good that we are talking about this because, you know, you never think that you're going to end up into in the hospital until you are. And um, if you're able to, with this, like if like, if you're hearing me now, and you're kind of unsure on if this is going to be something you experience, or maybe you're debating on whether you should go at the end of the day, it's about safety. It's about having that moment of to breathe and for stabilization and for eyesight. And then the idea is to get you reconnected with resources or get you back with your providers to just kind of have that, that moment of reset. Um, a big part of this and where it this is where it does get difficult is that it's all about communication. And so when you go kind of having an idea of what you're needing this for, who you need to get in touch with, um, what the plan is after that, um, a lot of times they have phases, like to where you can go from inpatient to partial to IOP. If that's the route you need to go, if you need to go straight to residential, that's for you and your case managers to work on too. And if you do have a provider and you end up in the hospital, please let them know um, or let the staff get in touch with your therapist because they can also help you with the advocacy or with coordinating what happens next. If you do have a provider and your experience at the hospital was not great at all, also process this with them and see if they can also speak to staff to just kind of get to the bottom of what happened and maybe give feedback that they wanted to have too. We'll be right back. The talk that not many people want to have, but we have to have at some point is the topic of breaking up with your therapist. Um, So this topic idea was actually submitted through Instagram. And it's a topic that I think is really helpful to talk about. um, Because at some point, most therapeutic relationships will come to an ending point, um, either because you've met treatment goals, um, your therapist um, isn't really fitting your needs in a season of life. Um, There's many different reasons as to why a therapeutic relationship would end moving, uh, um, schedules change, logistics, that sort of thing. Um, And so in the in all of that, I also want to like throw in that your therapist can also break up with you too. And that's the idea that this therapeutic relationship is a two-way street. Now, majority of the time, if a therapist does ever terminate the relationship, um, it's discussed. Um, There is either a clinical or a logistical reason to it. Um, Sometimes, I know for me, I don't specialize in OCD. And if I have a client and um, something like OCD is really present, then I may suggest that they go see an OCD specialist to treat that and then they can come back for the work that we were doing before. Um, So there's different reasons sort of like that, like clinical reasons why a therapist would end a therapeutic relationship. However, 
this is more so about you. And if you're wondering whether you should break up with your therapist, if it makes sense to, um, and really how to go about that, because it's not, it's a lot easier said than done, unless you just absolutely hate your therapist. Um, So this is, you know, this discussion that I'm presenting is more so around the framework of if you've been working with somebody for a while, um, and you're just kind of wondering if, if it's time to see what else is out there. So it's just like dating and finding a therapist and maintaining a relationship with a therapist is sort of like dating. It involves a lot of communication and involves a lot of, um, you know, insight on yourself. And I think the main, there's a, 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 blah, 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 all the thoughts at once. There's a lot of factors to consider. And I think the biggest one to consider up front is asking yourself, am I responding to what happened in this moment? Um, or is it accumulation of things? Um, and I, I bring that up because sometimes in therapy, you're going to have uncomfortable conversations and therapists where they are well-intentioned. If and I think we've talked about this before intention, or I have on Instagram, our intention doesn't equal impact. And there may be times like where your therapist has the best of intentions, but the impact of what they said is not as helpful as anticipated. Stuff like that deserves to be at least discussed either in the therapy session or through email or at some point, because a lot of times um, therapists, like we have to dig up hard truths and, and just like any other relationship, sometimes there will be conflicts because you're going to butt heads because you're unearthing really uncomfortable things and like feelings are going to come up. But when it comes to responding to something in the moment as as opposed to an accumulation of things. I think taking both into consideration is really helpful um, because you're seeing if it's a pattern, if you're seeing that like you're constantly feeling invalidated as opposed to one time. Um, it, it's just, again, taking inventory of like what's going on in the relationship and if what you're responding to is a one-time sort of big deal thing or if it's lots of little things or lots of big things too. Um, so you got to, again, start by asking yourself, is this now? Or is it accumulation of things like take inventory of the relationship? The second thing to consider is, is this feedback that I've given the therapist before? And what might they be missing about it? Um, I think it's really intimidating to sometimes, and this is me as a people pleaser, I'm imagining that it would be very difficult to tell a therapist when a direction that you're going in isn't working. Um, and sometimes the therapist won't budge on that because your therapist is going to have a clinical perspective. And so like if I have a client that I'm trying to do RODBT with and we're kind of hitting heads with it, um, you know, I may think that that's the best line of treatment. But if somebody's wanting to come in and do more trauma processing in the moment, but I don't think that's a clinical fit. We have to, have to at least have a discussion about it and see if we can get online um, in agreement with a treatment plan. Um, but again, that requires a discussion. And so I think asking if you have brought it up to that therapist or have you had a dialogue with your therapist about some of the things that you're seeing? Um, a lot of times if it's 
feeling like you haven't made treatment progress, like bringing that up to your therapist, because there's a high chance that your therapist is seeing progress in areas that you haven't, or maybe they agree that you're stuck, but sometimes getting unstuck has clinical value too. Um, I find myself to be a very directive therapist and sometimes that can backfire. And so I have to take a step back and realize that in some of these stuck moments, a lot of good things can come out. And so maybe, you know, it just helps for you to ask the therapist, like what, like, what is their perspective? Where are you seeing progress? Where do you want to see progress? Maybe in the process of therapy, your goals have changed. However, does your therapist know that? Um, And this isn't putting all the blame on you. It's just that idea of are the thoughts that you've had in your head, are they being discussed in the therapy room? I mean, if you think about it, when you go into a therapy session, there's a lot to bring up or maybe there isn't, but your mind sort of goes blank as that's going on. It may be hard to sort of think like, okay, you know, how do I bring up with my therapist that I don't think that things are working? Um, And sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's not. And so if you haven't taken inventory, you got to know what's going on. And then you also have to ask yourself, have I brought this up to my therapist? Have we had a discussion about it? That's what's fair. And to sort of just like bring perspective in as somebody that's been both on both sides, like I've been in the client couch and in the chair, um, at least for me, I have, it's an immense amount of pressure and it's pressure that myself as a therapist that I knowingly take on being in the therapist chair, um, because we're trying to make sense of things that are going on in your brain and your report. So we're trying to understand your side while also trying to see it through our clinical lens and guiding you in the direction of getting better of working towards more psychological health. And so in the midst of all that, it is easy for us to maybe get lost in the details. And sometimes we need help from you as the client on getting more clarity of like where you want to go first. Um, And that's sometimes really hard to answer as a client. Um, I know that I've gone into therapy sessions and I'm like, I just want to like vent it all out and you just tell me what you think. Um, And I think sort of having beginning to have that dialogue with your therapist, if they're willing to have it. um, So it's not blind leading the blind. I think the process of therapy in, in its starts, like in its beginnings was made to not, I don't think it was meant to be mysterious, but I think it sort of shaped itself to be mysterious. And so I think having a little bit more transparency in the room, if this is something that your therapist is about, may help with the progress of things. And it may help clear the air on some things that you might be second guessing either about your therapeutic relationship or your progress or really where you want to go to. And hold on one second. She had to take a breather. I think I'm noticing the amount of strain that happens on my voice in um, in a day, especially with my teaching voice. This is my teaching voice. Um, there's a strong chance that you may even feel lost in your treatment too. And I think whenever you're feeling stuck with your therapist, it's a really good time to sort of reevaluate 
where the relationship is as a whole. And it may not always end up in a full breakup. Um, there are times like where people just need a break from therapy. So maybe even asking yourself that too, of like, do I just need a break for a few weeks? Or, you know, do I need to stay committed and see this through? Therapy is meant to be uncomfortable. Um, there's a lot of highs and then there's lows in it too. And it, it is meant to be uncomfortable. It is meant to bring up some hard truths. Sometimes I have to take a nap after going to my own therapy sessions because you're unearthing stuff that oftentimes you don't have the space to really unpack except for in those therapy sessions. Um, and you know, sometimes, I mean, I'm just going to say it sometimes like you and your therapist just sort of outgrow each other or sometimes it just helps to have another take on things. Um, and so if that's the case, then just, tell your therapist that you want a second opinion or that you want to see what it's like. <laughs> it's kind of like an open relationship. Like, I just want to go see what's going on. You know, I want to see what this other therapist is all about. And, and maybe, you know, maybe that's something too to explore. Um, there have been times like where I've been meeting with clients and I tell them like, hey, Individual therapy is only going to get you so far because it seems like you need to explore some family therapy or you need to explore couples therapy. And so maybe it's just that too, that maybe you working on everything just on your own, like maybe other people need to be involved and maybe not necessarily in that therapeutic relationship either. And so as you're having this discussion, I would encourage you to go in with an open mind, but also with a clear sense of the points you want to get across. Um, you know, the main thing that you want to at least be able to walk away with is an understanding that something either needs to shift or you need a break um, or like y'all, y'all need to end on a, on a, on a note of understanding Um and the idea would be it doesn't have to be an argument. You can end on quite peaceful terms. Um, in fact, as a therapist, I love it when a client comes in and they've come to their own conclusion that therapy just isn't like what they need right now, or they're, they're at a point that they want to go test the waters and see what life is like and then come back. Um, it being initiated by you as the client is far more empowering than when the therapist brings it up. And I feel like it's important to say that if a therapist brings up like that, maybe y'all's relationship needs to shift or they aren't meeting, um, they don't feel like they're meeting your needs. It doesn't mean that you've failed therapy. It doesn't mean that you're a lost cause. What the therapist is trying to do and I think I mentioned this earlier, is preserve the relationship. And so that's where it comes to this concept of any sort of relationship. So if we bridge this out from a therapeutic relationship to just relationships in general, a key component of ending relationships or even just navigating moments of um, of rupture is the idea of coming at it with a sense of respect. Now, if your therapist has clearly crossed a line, if your therapist, um, if you feel like they're not meeting your needs completely, or if you feel disrespected, there's still a way to be firm and a way to address and to hold your ground in a way that's respectful too. 
so if we think about um, our objectives or our goals in interpersonal interactions, we have the objective, which is a specific task or a specific goal. There's the relationship. So you're wanting to preserve the relationship. There's our self-respect, like we want to feel good about ourselves, And then there's self-inquiry effectiveness. Um, and you can find um, that concept in Lesson 17 of the RODBT book. But having an idea of like, what is your goal? Are you trying to repair the relationship to where y'all can shift things and move forward? Are you wanting to stand up for yourself because your therapist crossed a line or offended you in a great way? And so you want to make sure that you feel good about yourself when you walk away from the conversation. Um, Is this about self-inquiry effectiveness, like where you're just more so taking in information, taking in possibilities, getting more feedback, or is it objective and it's solely about ending the relationship? It doesn't matter um, how you feel, how they feel. It's not about learning. It's just more so the objective is to be done. Having that top of mind and having a clear goal or clear um a a clear sort of direction that you want to go is going to help from talking in circles. It's going to help prevent second guessing. And it's also going to help prevent almost like overcorrecting. Because maybe you're not wanting to end the relationship with your therapist, but you're wanting it to shift. And so having that clear idea, having that goal in mind and keeping that top of mind instead of, you know, being open to the possibilities unless that is what you're wanting to come in with is going to be helpful for ending that relationship or at least reevaluating its role in your life. Um, this is just my personal stance as a therapist. Like I, I want my clients to feel comfortable with ending the relationship or I want them to feel comfortable. I want like it, most therapists, this sounds kind of awful, but we want to put ourselves out of business. We want to be effective enough to where um, you feel confident enough to to do life without us. And at the same time, we know that there's a lot of people that benefit for just having that that resource in their back pocket. Like I have a lot of, I think I mentioned this last session or maybe a few sessions or session episodes ago that maintenance work can really, um, can be really fun. So even if I'm meeting with clients monthly or every six weeks or as needed, there's a lot of fun that can be had in that maintenance work. Um, because we're, we're still problem solving things in the moment, but we're bridging what was learned when you were in the trenches and doing more weekly or intensive therapy. We're basically rinsing and repeating it just with new topics, or we're able to touch on topics that weren't able to fully be addressed because we were focusing on more, um, top of line issues. Um, and some people like, I have a feeling I'm going to be a person that is therapy for life in some capacity. Um, There have been periods where I've gone weekly or I've gone every other week or I've gone as needed. Um, But I think just having for me personally, having that space for me to be a client is really helpful. And so I think too, like when you're thinking about evaluating your relationship with your therapist, I think it's also helpful to evaluate your own personal relationship with therapy. What are you expecting out of therapy? Are you, is the therapy that you're in meeting your needs? Um, Is individual therapy what you need or maybe group or some other coaching or maybe there's something else that would be helpful? Like if you're trying to work towards having more health in your life, maybe a therapist isn't going to be best suited for that. So maybe it's getting with a nutritionist, maybe it's getting with a trainer. Um, I would 
prefer somebody that doesn't reinforce diet culture. But you know, this idea of, um, you know, what are my expectations of therapy? And am I relying on my therapist to resolve things that may be better suited um, by another type of provider? You know, if you're wanting to organize your home, and you're going to therapy talking about it, you might be better suited just getting an organizer to lay out a foundation for you. So again, all of this to say is that ending relationships in therapy is totally normal. It shouldn't be taboo. And it and if there's any shame that you're carrying with it, I would encourage you to go opposite to that. Um, because ending relationships, we can't maintain every relationship that we've ever had in our lives. We don't have the capacity to do that. And you know what, I'm thankful that we don't because we move from quantity of relationships to quality I feel like as we get older, um, as we have less bandwidth and more responsibilities in life, or we just begin to sort of simplify our lives as we go. And I think there could be a lot of therapeutic benefit in reevaluating that relationship with your therapist and your relationship with therapy. And if anything, it might just sort of help you reflect on how far you've come. And I think it's really easy to forget where you've been, where it's really easy just to focus on where you want to go and what's wrong. And so I think truly taking inventory of how far you've come, where you have changed, where you have improved, what you're seeing differently, there's immense value in that. And so, yeah, I, I, I think breaking up with your therapist is really good or it can be good. So good luck. Thank you so much for tuning in for another week of A Novel Life. I'm so grateful for this community that we have been building. Um, make sure you follow me on Instagram at Novel Counseling. That's also where you can message me for any sort of episode ideas or questions that you want me to answer on the show. And, you know, help support this podcast. If you could rate, review, and subscribe, it would mean a lot to me. The more that you do that, the more um, the algorithm pushes the show out to other people and we just want to get the word out. So I hope that you have the week that you're going to have. I will see you next week.